Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to this special episode of It's a Fandom Thing. Today, I am very honored to be virtually sitting down with trans actor, singer, writer, and comedian, Zach Barrick, who made history in 2019 as the first openly trans actor to be credited in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for his work in Spider-Man Far From Home. Since then, Zach has been breaking down barriers for the trans community. His acting credits extend to television and podcasts, as well as film, with an appearance in the television series Transparent and a regularly occurring role in The College Tapes, which is an audio drama spinoff of the renowned podcast The Bright Sessions. He is also in development on a number of scripts and other writing projects. Zach joins co-stars Emily Osment and Clinton Loop in the new animated horror comedy adventure series Dead End Paranormal Park, which you can watch on Netflix which centers around two teens and their pug as they battle a supernatural apocalypse by fighting off demons in a haunted theme park. The series is based on the Dead Indicia webcomics by Hamish Steele. Zach voices the trans character Barney in the series, which has now become one of the most inclusive and diverse shows for YA audiences. So Zach, thank you again so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about the about Dead End Paranormal Park and a couple of other things as well. And I first want to know, how did the part of Barney come to you? It's funny. I always say there's a short version and a long version. And the short version is I have really great uh, representation. <laughs> and they saw this as a really good fit in something that I'd be really interested in. And, um, you know, that is the short version and the long version is you know Hamish wrote this really brilliant piece of media first online then as a comic and you know a print comic and and then as a television show and throughout all of that sort of heard feedback about it and you know um you know it was just really brilliant and then I happened to do a talk that he saw online um, and he was like, oh, he's kind of funny. And I'll, you know, kind of hope it, it, it kind of planted the seed. I I like to joke that I did some inception on him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, the long version is, you know, a lot of things had to happen for me to do that talk and for him to see it. So 
it's sort of just like right time, right place, but Mm -hmm. you know, almost like elongated, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it has to mean a lot to have, I mean, I can't even imagine as a kid, if, if you had seen, or if anyone who felt underrepresented had seen a cartoon or an animated series that has such diversity. I mean, you have a, a trans character in Barney, you have someone who is autistic and who's also suffering with anxiety. Um, you don't have, it's not just cisgendered white characters and that's mm-hmm. just incredible. So was that also another big reason you wanted to do this? Yeah, hundred percent. And not just that, not just that those characters were included, but that they were, they had nuance. Um, You know, when I read the comics, I didn't know exactly how the show was going to happen because they are for sort of slightly different age groups and they are slightly different. But, um, you know, I think when I read the comics, I got a sense of how much attention to detail I could probably anticipate from the show because I think that's part of Hamish's nature and also is ultimately important for telling these kinds of stories. So I was just like, I know this isn't going to be another, you know, thing where all the characters look like they've always looked and sound like they've always sounded. And uh, I was right, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I feel really grateful that that's true. But yeah, that was such a huge part of it was just like they can't just be characters who are diverse they from you know from diverse from what we've always seen but they have to also have nuance you know and then their stories have to have nuance mm-hmm. yeah they don't fit like we've talked about a lot on my podcast as well like they don't fit that oh and we're just having diversity for diversity's sake but we're going to ignore the characters right. and we're not going to write them well and actually the story is going to center on you know, who we've always centered the story on, or we're going to feed into harmful tropes or that kind of thing. So yeah, all the characters are so fleshed out that it's, it's pretty remarkable, especially, I mean, I think even in animated, I think people might just kind of excuse it, but you know, I think even adults could learn a lot from watching this too. Yeah. hundred percent. And have you had any feedback from anybody, from anybody young? I mean, I know you don't want to share like personal stories, but anybody's saying how much this has meant to you or any of your work? 100%. You know, um, I'll admit like less so people who are super young, which I think is for the best because I really hope they're not on Instagram. Like I think <laughs> well, yeah. that I really hope their brains aren't <laughs> being like rotted by people <laughs> like me posting nonsense all the time. But I will say, you know, there are a lot of, young in in sort of quotes trans people uh who have reached out and said you know um this is really important and i put young in quotes because it's usually somewhere between like 18 and 20 something Mm -hmm. uh and that is young right like we are just sort of all kids responding to kid feelings all the time even when we're not technically kids anymore and um And when the kids' feelings, the kid feelings that we're feeling are so wrapped up in lack of representation and lack of understanding ourselves and maybe some resentment that if we had had that, we would have gotten to where we needed to be sooner. Because I know I feel that, you know, I I wish this wasn't true and I wish I was like naturally a bigger person, but like I sometimes I'm mad, you know, 
uh, sometimes I'm mad I didn't have this. So I do think there's some element of like everybody feels, and I don't mean this to say to infantilize or be reductive of anybody, but everybody feels really young when they're saying, God, I wish I had this show when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's something so um, fundamentally young about wishing that we had been let down a little bit less by the adults and the media and society in our life because we are just like vibing and floating through the world and nobody asks to be born. And, you know, so it's, it's, I think it's beautiful to see that mildly heartbreaking, but more than that beautiful. And it also, I think that we can only go in, you know, this is the only way we heal, not the only way, but one at the very least powerful way we heal is, is making shows like this and also being willing to have conversations with people who it affects. Yeah, definitely. I, de- I definitely agree with that because, you know, you'll hear so often people say, well, what does it matter? It's just a television show or it's just a movie or it's just, what does it matter? Who cares? You know, why do we keep having to focus on representation? Well, it matters because, you know, if you, and, and usually it's people that are saying that are people that have seen themselves since they were born represented. Right. So of yeah. course you're not, I mean, you know, you've seen yourself yeah. forever. But all you have to do is look at like videos of like, you know, like I even point out like with Black Panther, you just look at videos of kids seeing that and seeing the, you know, Black boys and girls seeing that and seeing how powerful it is to see yourself represented when, you know, white people have always, you know, so it's so it matters. And like you said earlier, it matters that it's good representation because throughout history, we've had bad representations. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So since this is something where you're doing voice work, so you're not, you know, acting off of each other necessarily, what are the challenges and joys of doing voice work? Oh boy. You know what? I, speaking of kid feelings, it is like the most <laughs> I felt like I'm playing pretend in my whole life. I know that all acting is just playing pretend, but like it is remarkable to sit in a booth and them to be like, okay, so the demon is talking to you and you're on a game show in hell. Also your dog is floating around. Uh, There's a big crab holding you. I mean, that's all (laughs) stuff that happens in the show. And you're just Mm -hmm. like, I can't believe this is my job. It's the best job in the world. And I, I I don't think that everybody feels that way. So I do want to acknowledge that because that's a nightmare for some people. But for me, again, just a person always responding to my little kid feelings. Like I, this is so fun for me and such a, like, when you are queer, um, I think there's a little bit more like of like a oomph to getting to be a little kid in your adult life because so often we like grow out of it so much faster with the kind of like parentified child or whatever it have you, you know, what have you. Um, All to say, like, it's such a fun job and it, meant a lot to be able to sit alone and go okay you got to do a good job and there's no one here to reinforce you there's no verbal or non-verbal cues that you're doing a good job you're the one you have to rely on to just believe that and it made me way way more comfortable as an actor I mean I think it's the first time when I've been performing where I've been like yeah, I think I'm doing a good job and nobody had to say that. I didn't have to ask anybody. It's not like anybody tells you that. You know what I mean? Like you're not on set and people are like, great job, man. Like all the time, especially not when you only have, you know, a smaller part, which was my, was my experience at the time. But it, I mean, you are just really left to your own devices and it's beautiful in so many ways. I think I learned so much about myself and it's really, um, 
it's really interesting to see what comes out of you when there's no one watching. I mean, it was some of the first times I got like so emotional that I like needed a minute to like collect Mm -hmm. myself. And I was really fascinated by that. Um, I'm sure because it feels safe to do that when you're alone on some level, but weirdly it like, it almost feels like it was more of a challenge to get there sometimes because you know, all the believability has to come from you. So yeah, when I did get really emotional, I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) Um, You know, yeah. so it was an interesting experience in that way. Yeah, but I mean, because your character, because Barney, I mean, Barney is choosing to stay in a haunted park that has like demons and stuff instead of wanting to be home, especially because his his grandma is going to be coming around and his grandma has not accepted him. And, you know, and, right. and the mom is like, his mom's like, you know, doesn't seem to understand why that would be so hard for you. So is that right. one of the parts that you got really emotional with is connecting with that part or. Okay. Uh, now I get to out myself as a very big nerd. Yes, of course, you know, on some level, but the things that often got me emotional were like the Pugsley's things. Aww, um, yeah. I am like a huge, I'm looking at my dog. That's why I keep looking over here. My dog <laughs> is like huffing and puffing that I'm not lying with him. He's um, very sweet. And I've had so many dogs in my life that have kind of come in at like, I mean, not to be corny, but like weirdly important times and developmentally for me. And um so I think I hold a lot of stock in a relationship with something that like feels like unconditional love when things are like hard at home, mm-hmm. you know, and I do think in that way, a little less nerdy and weird, you know, a little less codependent with your animals when you think of it that way. But I do think, um, yeah, I kind of was always like, oh yeah, like, of course he loves, you know, the, the heck out of this dog. Um, he doesn't feel the unconditional love at home. And do I think Barney's parents love him so, so, so much. Yeah, I really Mm -hmm. do with my whole heart believe that. But if they don't know how to show that all the time to the point that he can internalize it, like there is some level of protecting your safety to leaving, you know, there, you know, I know it to someone who maybe doesn't understand the experience of being misgendered and mis, you know, and disrespected, but that it's just like, you know, you never want a kid to live in a house where they're internalizing something that could damage and traumatize them long time, long term down the road. And this kind of experience can do that. I know it doesn't immediately spring to mind as an example of something that does that because it is a unique marginalized person experience, but it can, right? Like in Mm -hmm. Barney as much in, in, in maybe the most nuanced way is protecting the younger version of himself and the older version of himself by separating himself and doing that is so scary and having something in your life that's gonna love you anyway like Pugsley does like that just really got me and I think I have such I've been really blessed to have like really lovely puppies in my life and um, it's always been incredibly tough to lose or you know have to live across the country from them and Mm -hmm. I just recently got my own dog for the first time and he's um, just about anybody will tell you that he's about 70% of what I talk about. So um, it's a mildly intolerable. And and also, I think just coming from that place of like, no, but you don't get it. He's like, never going to turn on me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and not even that that's necessarily been my experience, but that's just such a huge thing to be able to say out loud, you know, yeah. when you're not always sure about that being a true in your life. 
Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I love dogs. I'm a huge dog person. I, I 100% usually think they're better than people. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I mean, it's that unconditional love that you get from a dog that you can't normally get from people. It just is the, and they don't judge the way that we judge. So yeah, yeah, they're they're Yeah. So I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. And I know the, the scene when, when, Pugsley is, you know, and Barney is ignoring Pugsley because Barney's got the crush and everything. And <laughs> yeah. Pugsley gets trapped on the on the train. I was like, oh my gosh, poor Pugsley. <laughs> I was like, I know they're not going to let anything happen to this dog, but I'm like, that was like the most intense emotionally mm-hmm. one of them there because yeah, dogs are pretty incredible beings. So, so good. And he like, the, one of my favorite things that they've, you know, peppered into the show is like, anytime they're separated, even for a second, and Pugsley finds Barney, he's like, Barney! Like, and he's like, oh yeah, like, you know, he he just is loyal and, and is a dog fundamentally. And, um, and so yeah, when Barney like leaves him on and he's like, Barney, <laughs> you know, why, what, what did you do? Why did you leave me? I like that, um, you know, Pugsley's like, no, you abandoned me. Like, you know, I like that Barney's held accountable for that because we're just, you know, it's nice to see there's some like nuance, like I yeah. said, to these characters where it's like, oh, he can be bad even though he's like young and trans, you know, mm-hmm. not bad, but like he can make mistakes that are like pretty crummy, you know? Yeah, he's human. <laughs> precisely, human, precisely. he's complicated like we all precisely are. Precisely you know? that, yes, exactly that. <laughs> we're all not always nice all the time. We all make mistakes. We all, you know can hurt people we all can get wrapped up in something if you're it's a romantic thing we can get wrapped up in that and then forget about everything else so yeah no exactly yeah well did you I know you did most voice work alone but were there ever opportunities where you were able to interact with any of the other cast members or anything well we did a table read right off the bat unfortunately we didn't get to do that many of those or anything we kind of didn't really get to work together you know if we had been I think that some of the episodes that we might have been lucky enough to do together would have been like the musical type of things I'm not sure I don't have enough experience in animation to know what we would have done differently other than that but I will say um, Cody and I uh, had the fortune of getting to know each other virtually Um, Cody who plays Norma so there is a real life friendship there Um, that I am super, super grateful for. And I, you know, I think there is some truth to who we are on the show. Mm -hmm. So, except that I would say more than Barney, I am an anxious person. So I think it required some like, so we're in this show together. Um, What's up, you know, from each (laughs) of us and like being a little brave. Um, And, you know, thank God we did because we do have a lot in common, but also like, it's really cool when you're an actor to like meet someone who is like, also very like normal (laughs) not that I not that I most of the people I've met haven't been but more just like you never know what the person you're going to work like is going to be like because the only experience you have of them which is unique from any other workplace is like not them you know Mm -hmm. what I mean when I would hear Cody on the like uh playbacks or the um animatics when I was recording which was really the only time I got to hear her voice regularly I was like oh my God, she's so talented, but I never had any insight into who she was as a person. So then just getting to share over like chat, I think like there was like a week where we just kind of like back and forth, we're just like, oh yeah, this is something I'm interested in, <laughs> you know? And it really felt like just like speed getting to know each other. 
And then like um, Coco Peru, who, you know, plays Pauline and I have just like exchanged a couple messages since um, the show has come out and she's wonderful <laughs> as expected. So that's been really great as well. All to say, like, I know that if I were to hop over to New York or if they were to hop over, if Coco was to hop over here, like, it would translate really well. You know, I think that it's just people who are really excited to be making this art and care so much about it. I mean, the way that everybody goes to bat for it online, a show that is like up against so many animated shows with like huge marketing campaigns. Like, it's just cool to know that we all love it the same amount. Yeah. So in that way, we've gotten to work together. You know, we've gotten to work together to try to spread the word about how awesome it is. Um, (laughs) And so in an unconventional way, we've all sort of, seen each other doing our work (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it it is I really really enjoyed it I think it's really well done um and you know I think that's always the thing with with animation is you're like okay so am I still going to get the nuances and the emotion there and from the voices not just from the drawings and it definitely definitely comes across so I think everybody's work is really phenomenal in it so yeah. I'm really glad to hear that that's how you feel. <laughs> Obviously, I'm biased and believe that, but it's it's more authentic when you say it. So, <laughs> Yeah, and I actually was talking to someone, just to let you know that, and I was talking about, about it, and she said she has kids, and they watch it, and she said sometimes, you know, I'm like, oh, man, my kids watch the stupidest stuff. <laughs> But she went to go watch that and she was like, oh, this is really good. I really enjoy this show. So, yeah. So oh, that's then neat. that's and that's totally yeah. unbiased. Feedback yeah, yeah. No, 100 percent. That's extremely neat. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I don't know if you can say any because I mean, the first season just came out, but I know there are already people hoping that there is going to be a second season. So you probably can't say anything. But if you can, is there anything you can say? <laughs> what I will say is. Yeah, I will say, I, mom's the word, um, read the comics, they rock, like they are a little different, you know, and, and they won't really spoil anything for you, but you still kind of get to interact with those characters. And there's some like shifts in the dynamics, but like, you know, it's all Hamish's work, uh, loosely and, and the writers who work on the show are really wonderful. Um, and all also work on other animated projects. Um, so you can like look into the, where the writers are working if you want some of that. So that, that would be my best, most diplomatic <laughs> response. I know. I'm like, I know he's not going to be able to answer this, but I'm going to ask <laughs> <you>. <laughs> yeah, When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, And so I know everybody would want me to ask for sure how coming into the Marvel universe, how that happened, how Spider-Man came to be. So how did that sort of come to be? And what did that mean to you to be like the first kind of breaking (laughs) groundbreaking there? I obviously had to work, you know, in my audition to do a good job and all of that jazz. And I, I do believe that I did that part of it, but other than that, just dumb, stupid luck. I, was in LA I had been sort of lightly bothering this manager who sometimes works with trans people and had always been like if you ever need anybody that's on your roster not on your roster already um, to go out for an audition that I fit you know I'm here 
Um, and I, I think at the time she had fewer people who fit in those same boxes as me mm -hmm. um, on a trans sort of level. So they put out this casting call um, and they were looking for someone who was sort of trans masculine. And I had no clue how big the role was going to be or anything, but I was just in LA. I was going to, I was supposed to go home and continue to bust tables like I had the previous summer at this like restaurant in my hometown. And then, um, and it's just like a rite of passage. My parents made all of us too in, um, at the same restaurant. But uh, I stayed in town for an internship that I was absolutely awful at. Thank God I stayed though. And yeah, I just went to the audition and was like, I got to do it because this is probably the biggest thing I'll ever get an opportunity for. And, you know, it was interesting because it was this, you know, teeny tiny role. But that's so the experience of every actor paying their dues, right? Like, mm -hmm. Um, it's a weird experience for me because I also had the unique experience of being someone with a small part that had to talk about the sort of importance of it, which was a complex thing to move through as an actor where you're like, oh, this feels so weird to deal with. But it was also deeply part of the actor's experience. So, it, and, and also I got to go to Europe and hang out with like, like the cast of Spider-Man. <laughs> like and and then I be, was lucky enough to form some really important friendships through it so and I was that cast you know what I mean and it's important for me to remind myself of that so I have no you know I don't have a lot of qualms with it uh you know as complex as it felt in some ways but like yeah I mean it's an interesting job for me because I'm always going to talk about how heavy it is you know the heavy parts of it but I I I relish that in a lot of ways um it's just always odd to do when you aren't say Barney where it's like, I have like so much to talk about the character and I have, it was a little bit like really reaching for the other one where I was like, Oh, you know, he's on a school trip and um, that's, you know, that's so human. <laughs> you know, I get to be like, yeah, like this character has substance and meat, which is what every actor wants. And I think I, you know, I'm just to like lift the veil a little bit. I don't think that's a huge surprise at all, but um, you know, it's vulnerable to, to be someone who is in a project and not, necessarily the center of it and having to talk about it on a huge scale but also I'm so grateful you know and I'll always I'll always just know that that's how I got my everything else that came you know so the talk I got to do that Hamish saw that sort of put incepted the idea that I should be in a show like that I wouldn't have gotten it if it wasn't um you know part of if I hadn't gotten into Spider-Man so it all, it all works really well together. It gelled quite nicely. Yeah. And you can always say you're part of the Marvel cinematic universe. Precisely, I mean, that's precisely. pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that's a dream come true. Yeah. I bet. I bet. Now, so are you writing stuff then, or are you, you've got different scripts that you're working on? Is it like you're writing screenplays or other stuff that you're writing? Yeah. You know, again, that's one of those ones that I try to keep close to the chest, but yeah. I will say I am a huge fan of lots of genres uh, I have some really wonderful people that I've met who are called, who I am really excited to collaborate with. Um, and yeah, I'll just say like what I want to make just to give like my <laughs> elevator pitch for me is the kind of things I want to make, or I guess the dream is to have like a place to, to put together, produce, you know, um, hire people that I really like respect and who may be like are also queer or also kind of living in marginalized spaces. Um, and that's the kind of stories I want to tell, you know, not necessarily ones that are like all about being trans in a way where like we're constantly talking about it or anything like that, but more so just like 
where it's part of, you know, where, where I would love to like have the influence of us not all defaulting to a character to be cis so that it's like, it has to be a thing when someone who's trans plays a role. You know what I mean? Because we mm-hmm. should be allowed to play all kinds of roles. And I kind of think it doesn't matter if the character's cis or not, um, you know, in the direction of trans people playing it because mm-hmm. there are no consequences to us playing cis characters. And I'm hoping people can understand that if it is meaningful to them that a trans person plays it, you know, for better or worse, they can acknowledge that like, oh, maybe not every person I mean, my life is a cis person, you know what I mean? A, you know, a cisgender person. And um, that that's kind of the kind of media I want to make, you know, different genre fictions. I don't know if everything will have a conversation about queerness, but I kind of hope it does, at least in some capacity, um, you know, and I want genre fiction. I love, you know, horror and, and sci-fi. And I think we've depended so long in those, in those genres on metaphor to tell the marginalized story. And I think it'd be Mm -hmm. cool if like the marginalized story just existed and we got to use metaphor for like all the other cool things that people go through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So that might, yeah, I don't know. That was sort of a little bit of a discombobulated (laughs) answer. No, No. that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of where I got with it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to know, and I know you touched on this a little bit, but what have you learned about yourself through the process of, of Barney or any of your other roles uh, personally, and then maybe even artistically too? I think that doing, for example, Transparent really taught me a lot about like the experience of making a project where lots of people had different feelings about it because it was like walking in on something that was a little complex just because there had been some issues in the production and stuff Mm -hmm. like that right before I got there so that taught me a lot about what healing looked like in a set in a setting that was like so deeply I mean it's an industry setting right like they're filming something and they have to have constant conversations about controversy that everybody and and genuine hurt among the cast you know and you just kind of are like this new person who walks in and you're like, well, wow. <laughs> um, but that was cool because it showed me that all these myths I'd heard that like time is money and all that, you know, that um, yes, that's so true. And um, you have to take care of people on a set, you know, that is true. And also people do move faster if you spend some of the day creating import like positive morale, like, you know, we would start the days out and there would be sort of opportunities for people to talk and share. And then everything after that, even though we maybe use some of our time, like not recording and, or not filming in a way that I think would shock people, you make up for it because the morale is so good after that, you kind of just breeze through things. So um, that was really helpful. Or I learned a lot about how, you know, quote unquote time as money is more complex than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um God, the lessons Barney taught me are still kind of unfolding. I, I, I mean, on a practical level, I learned how to be a better actor. I learned how to trust myself and take risks. On an emotional level, I was reminded about, yeah, how, how important it is to take care of ourselves and how even though not everything we do in defense of ourselves, you know, not every survival skill that we display as a young person is going to, like, be perfect you know there are times when I think Barney could be a real brat I think there are times when he can be so right and I think often he's both of those things and Mm -hmm. it just taught me that like you know not every bad thing 
I've ever done in my life makes me bad. <laughs> you know, it's the very classic, like, shame is I am bad, guilt is I have done bad. And I think it's taught me, like, to lean more into guilt and shame. And I think that's, like, the healthier way to approach something when you make a mistake. And that also, then you let it go. You know, you don't feel the guilt forever. And I think he's so good at that in ways that I wish I was. And also, you know, is so good at believing he's right when he needs to believe it, you know, regardless of whether or not he then maybe owes an apology to his parents, you know, for example, for running away or something like that, Mm -hmm. which, you know, he does. And he, and he gives it eventually. Uh, I think being willing to accept that you might owe someone an apology and defense of your safety is really important and kind of admirable. So I've learned loads about myself, you know, playing this character. And I, and I think it was so moving to, realize I could learn a lot about myself from a character because I don't think I always knew that was possible yeah and I and I love that the the guilt versus shame because I don't mm-hmm. think people realize the difference there and I think if right. you have the shame it's harder eventually to forgive yourself for stuff you might feel guilty about or forgive oh, others right. too right no exactly yeah that I think not being able to deal with your own guilt and shame uh begets you not being able to yeah forgive and because it's just like you know, easier to justify not doing it if you're not doing it for yourself. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, yeah, I totally agree. And then I want to know really quickly, because I'm sure everybody will want to know, what kind of dog do you have? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you talking said, about so, your dog? Okay. No, I, thank you. This is a gift. Um, <laughs> so his name is Levi. I did name him after a character from an anime. Uh, I like to be upfront about that so people know what they're getting into uh, when they talk to me. Uh, no, I am uh, I'm actually a pretty late convert into the anime realm, but uh, it's been a medium that I've been really enjoying lately. And I um, saw this character and then I met I met my dog very shortly after at the at the shelter. And I was like, oh, you're so like stoic and, you know, and kind of intense, but in like a really brooding way, like this is you, you know, which is all just to say he's very... He doesn't make a peep. Uh, he's very sweet. He loves to get pet and he loves to cuddle. That was actually when he first came home, I was like, oh my God, he's so nervous. But then he like laid on me to fall asleep. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, that's interesting. He is a, we think, mini pincher mix. He is definitely part mini pincher because he's got the eyebrows and the and the coloring is like to a T him. But his coat is quietly is sort of different he's like a little bit he's got like shorter hair um or it's like a little bit more like puffy I guess for lack of a better word and he's his size is a little too big for a mini pincher so it's unclear what he actually is I just know that's part of him and when we saw one recently like a proper uh, Doberman mm-hmm. I have never seen him that excited and I don't know if he could tell or if he was just like oh a big dog that isn't like chasing me that's really nice um, <laughs> he was like, like he was like so excited and I was like oh wow I wonder if I doubt it but I, I made up a little narrative in my head where I was like you know <laughs> you know you connect on a different right. level with this yeah. dog <laughs> yeah Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I understand. I've done that with I. I had a um, unfortunately he passed away a couple of years ago, but um, I had a pit bull mix who loved little dogs, but so probably would have loved seeing a little dog get excited to see him because every time little dogs would see him because he had the huge huge head, they'd be like, "Oh my gosh, right. I'm scared to death." <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, no, he's not going to hurt you. So yeah, he, I don't yeah. know what it was that he saw in them as like a kinship, but. <laughs> no, I, I think that's real. Like, I think if like Levi's not like small, small, he's, um, I, we call him medium because he's, he's medium, <laughs> but on the smaller end. Um, medium. <laughs> and it's medium. Yeah. And he, he, he loves big dogs who aren't like so in his face he doesn't hate the ones that are he'll he's actually more I think uh keen on them than he is little ones that are in his face but it's interesting because he like if if approached well he loves any dog it's just if a dog gets in his face he's like uh you know <laughs> he, he's not yeah. aggressive he's just like wait no don't <laughs> you know so uh he he's he's a sweet one and I think I kind of looked out he's just like quiet and chill and wants to sleep and cuddle and I literally couldn't have asked for some, a dog that's more of a bit of me. So. Yeah. Well then, and I'm just curious, this just popped in my head since you love dogs so much and love animals so much, have you learned something now about yourself through your dog? Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, it's not until you have a dog that, and particularly a dog that doesn't wake you up, right? Like he's not the kind of dog who in the morning is like, Hey, I would like to go outside. He is the dog who in the morning when I get up, like, I have to yank out of bed sometimes very genuinely. He like, so then you have to be like, Noah, we have to make a good decision. Like, I would love to let you sleep, but it's probably for the best that you get three walks a day, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, let's go. (laughs) Um, So it's been interesting because it's taught me that I have to make executive decisions sometimes. And there have been some days where I've let him sleep. And then most of the time that has not been true. So it's weird because I don't always feel like I'm able to provide self-discipline. But when it comes to him, it's much more natural. And I think it's kind of encouraged me in my routine. So not that I was like some sort of mess, but I have pretty uh, severe ADHD. And I, you know, I think it's really cool to see how there are some tactics to improve your executive functioning that are not as simple as you know the ones I thought I had options Mm -hmm. with um and he's just one of them so and then also just like I am so protective like I didn't realize we were walking down the street and this Rottweiler lives in our neighborhood who's so cute but is just a loud barker and I think that like is probably so sweet I I I refuse to uh, what's the word I'm looking for to um, project any of the negative Rottweiler stereotypes mm-hmm. um, but probably so sweet I think her name is Luna I, I've only I've heard her family calling her but I've seen her with them and she seems really chill and quiet but she is a loud barker and we were walking past her one day and this guy was walking past as well and he's like I'm so scared of that dog and I was like yeah and then I, I sort of had the interest of thinking of like what would I do if she got out and she was sort of like her and Levi didn't get along or you know and then I just was thinking about dog not her specifically but any dog that I saw I was like what would I do you know and I was Mm -hmm. like I'd lift him above my head and just take it (laughs) and it was like (laughs) I just never thought that like I would understand that like sort of like you know parent you know and it's not the same as having a kid but it is like I just would do about anything for him so um yeah yeah no I, I totally totally understand that yeah. Well, I just want to know before we close out here, do you have any projects that you can tell people about any upcoming things? 
I'm never allowed to talk about any of the fun stuff. I will say um, <laughs> one fun thing that I got to do recently, and uh, I'm not really, um, I share it um, with the acknowledgement that it is not really something I'm sharing on my behalf, uh, because as an audiobook, as a person who's now done this as my first audiobook, you kind of understand that it's not really you like acting, you're just reading a book. <laughs> but I will recommend the book because it's like a trans love story and we never get those so even though I know it's not really like my project as an actor I really like to uh, share it because Mason Deaver who wrote it is like queer trans person and they um, wrote this really wonderful young adult novel and it's called The Feeling of Falling in Love and I believe it's coming out this month and uh, I I, yeah I just felt the need to be like oh if you get a chance you don't even have to listen to the audiobook buy the book like I could care less how you you know take like you know consume it but like I just think it's a really cool book and we should sell lots of copies of queer books so that we get to keep making them uh because that would have been really cool as a kid as well Mm -hmm. so that's sort of I'm gonna I'll I'll be mindful of myself and stop there (laughs) okay yeah well thank you so much Zach it's been such a pleasure talking with you and if you want to tell people where they can find you on social media too if they want to follow you there yeah, absolutely. I'm at Zach Barrick. It's just uh, my first and last name, Z-A-C-H-B-A-R-A-C-K. My last name is spelled like Barack Obama. Uh, we, I think my understanding is we changed the pronunciation from Barack to Barrick because the Hebrew is Barack, you know, as an assimilation measure when we got to the U.S. And then, of course, eventually we had a president that um, undid all of that, which is awesome and also <laughs> insane. I mean, it's just the full circle nature of, you know, assimilation. Yeah. So uh, all to say, yeah, please follow me. And uh, thank you so, so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you're super easy to talk to. Okay. And uh, I love talking about my dog. So like, thank you for letting me do that. <laughs> of course. Thank you. Thank you so much. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you would like to be a potential interview guest, feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandom thing Hit the contact us button there. You can also email us directly at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and stop Asian hate. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.